Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. It's good to have all of you here this morning. I want to say a huge happy Father's Day to all the dads in the house. Dads, granddads, why don't y'all stand? Let all, let all the moms and the children say thank you. Come on, give some love to the daddies of the house. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Couldn't be here without the daddies. We know we can't be here without the mamas. But uh, it takes some daddies too. And I am thankful that no matter, let me just talk to you men for just a minute or two. We're going to have men's night a week from Wednesday, but let me just get started now. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you came out of. Doesn't matter what kind of junk the enemy tried to destroy your life with. Your past does not have to have an impact on your destiny. Your past is forgiven under the blood of Jesus Christ. And God will grace you, hear me men, to be a granddaddy and a daddy. Even if you were not well daddied when you were a kid. Don't use the excuse, well, I didn't have. I tried that once. And then God said, what about me? He said, I'll teach you to father. I'll help you. I'll impart. Let my love go through you. And everything you had lack of, I'll make it as though there was no lack. Oh, man, four men said amen to that. It's true. I know because I wasn't fathered. And I know that it's just an excuse. And when you desire to be a righteous daddy, God will grace you and help you and impart into you and spank you and correct you and discipline you. Oh, and prune you. Why? So that you can bear more fruit in the latter than in the former. Amen? All right, I got to preach. The clock is on and they're not stopping it today. They were gracious last week. John chapter 15, starting a whole new series, part one. John 15. We, we went through John 14 for six weeks. So we're not, we're not doing part seven. This is part one. It's a brand new beginning. And uh, man, Jesus says some good stuff. I was telling the prayer team earlier that as I've been reading and rereading John 15 all week and through several different versions that this morning during my devotion time up pops uh, 1 John uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And, And when I got to chapter 4, realizing same John uh, that recorded the gospel of John is the John of uh, first John and realizing that what Jesus was saying to him and he recorded he got it and then he preached it or he taught it or he wrote it or he did all three but it, it's it's so powerful uh, first John chapter 4 because it literally reiterates John 15. I mean, almost 
to the point that as I was meditating on yesterday, I was just looking at these 17 verses I'm going to read to you in a second, and I thought, what are the key words in these 17 verses? And four words popped out. And as I was meditating on them, then this morning, as I'm reading 1 John chapter 4, those four words were evident in 1 John chapter 4. And I'm thinking, man, the Lord must have really been serious about us getting it. Amen? How many of you believe the Lord is serious about you getting it? Amen. We are not bound to our past. What our denomination was, what our childhood upbringing was, we have the right and the ability and the grace to hear the fresh word of God and move on. Say amen to that. Going to read, beginning with verse 1, John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, how many of you want to bear fruit? You sure? He prunes. And, And pruning is not fun. Now, J.R. Taylor over here is the rose grower. I went by his house a few years ago, and he was chopping his rosebuds down to nothing. I'm like, so what happened? You don't like your rose bushes? And he gave me a lesson on pruning. I said, well, bro, Dr. J.R., that don't look like pruning to me. That looks like you just killed them. <laughs> and about six months later, I came back by J.R.'s house. What do you think I found? Man, some pretty roses. I don't know how he has time to be a doctor and prune roses. But they are some beautiful roses. Now, Suzanne and I, Suzanne has roses. (laughs) We only have two. And man, she works on those things and prays over those things. And they have never looked like JR's roses. Honey, wisdom, I think wisdom cries out that you should invite J.R. over to the house, (laughs) serve him some red beans and rice, and give him the the pruners. And some of us need to invite Jesus over to our house and say, be at will in my life. Prune away, even when the pruning hurts. But because he loves us, He prunes us. Why? That we may bear more fruit. Not some fruit, not last year's fruit, but more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He reiterates, I am the vine. You, say me. Me. You are the branches. 
Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears what? Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Hear me. Just going to pause on this for one second. Okay, 10 seconds. If you're not bearing fruit, guess what? Let me say it over here. Y'all didn't get it. If you're not bearing fruit, guess what? You're what? I'm not abiding in him the way he says that if I abide in him, fruit will come forth. I will bear fruit. And it doesn't matter about you claiming about your fruit. It's what others say about your fruit that matters. You think you're a fig tree and everybody else sees a lemon. Come on. Y'all seen that lemon commercial on television? Something about, I don't even know what it's about. Lemons everywhere. I don't know. That's not, that's not, a, that's not a fruit that I just want to identify myself as. I like a little lemon in my water. And every once in a while, I like a little Arnold Palmer. Only man in the world has got a drink named after him. You just go in anywhere and say, I'd like an Arnie. You don't have to define it. Sweet tea, if you're smart, and lemonade. For all you northerners, it's unsweet tea and lemonade. That's nasty right there. <laughs> what verse was I on? You are messing with me. Somebody help me. Where was I? If anyone, verse 6, does not abide in me, he is old. Say, ouch. He is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. Some, some folks say, well, I asked and I didn't get anything. Were you asking because you're abiding in him? Or were you asking because you have a right to name it, claim it, and hope for it? See, abiding in Christ will do something. Oh, this is good right here. This thought just came. This is good. Abiding in Christ will change what you ask for. That's good right there. That's right off the burner. I wasn't smart enough to think of that. Holy Spirit just dropped that. If you're not abiding in him, what you're asking for in faith in Jesus' name, is probably your flesh. Lord, if you, if you want to show your love to me, there's this new car I've been looking at. There's this job I want. There's this raise I'd like. But when you start abiding in Christ, all of a sudden, what you even think about wanting changes. And that's why he says, abide in me. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And then for about what, the third or fourth time in nine verses, he says, abide, abide, abide in my love. He said, abide in me, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, 
just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Y'all remember verse 10. I need to come back to it. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and, and that your joy may be full. That's why when we walk in here on a Sunday morning to worship God, no matter what's going on out there in the world and in the parking lot, when you enter into the place of the house of God with the people of God, greeting one another with a big righteous hug and a holy kiss and come into his presence, we ought not to allow our worship to be dictated by what's going on in our emotions or in the news or anywhere else in the world. I saw a video a few weeks ago of a a gathering of believers in Afghanistan right in the middle of the bombed out city they were living in. And they were gathering and worshiping. And I saw a video, it wasn't just the picture, I saw the video as someone stood in the back with a phone and videoed these people in the middle of a battle worshiping God like they were already in heaven. You say, well, if I was in that situation, I'd be worshiping too. Really? So when everything's going good, worship, worship is not as important? Oh, it's every bit as important. We believers in America, I absolutely am still convinced that the greatest battle and struggle we deal with is not persecution and the fear of being arrested for our faith. It's what we do when God blesses us beyond anything we ever dreamed or imagined. And all of a sudden, we start getting all comfy in that it's ours. When the very fact you were even born or brought to America was God's provision and sovereignty in your life. And if anything, we give honor and praise to Jesus for the freedom we have. But remembering that the freedom we have to whom much has been given, much is required of us. So, man, when I didn't have nothing but two nickels to rub together, you say it was easy to worship God. Well, what about when he just blesses your socks off and you can give more today than you ever even used to make? Do you still have the same passion? Because your worship's not based on those things. It's based on who he is. The lover of your soul, the redeemer of your life. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Kind of blows some people's theology away that no matter what or how I live or how I respond, God just, grace, grace. He said, if you love me, you're going to keep my command. And what is the greatest command when Jesus was asked, what's, what's the greatest command of all? What, what was the greatest command? He said, Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body. With everything you got, love God. Oh, and by the way, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So don't worry about all the thou shouts. 
<laughs> just, just, just concentrate on man. I, I'm, I'm called to love God with everything. And if he calls me to, says I can, and has graced me, then no matter what the outward circumstances of life are, I'm not going to be moved by it. Not when I have a chance to worship God. David, seven times a day, he just set out to take a praise break and worship God. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. Man, you got indoor bathrooms and air conditioning. What are you talking about? <laughs> David's out there pooping behind the sheep shed, sweating. He ain't got no water cooler, igloo, yetis. Man, David would have given anything for a yeti. I, I was just reading that this morning, First Chronicles chapter 11 and 12. David's, David's been being chased by the king. He's tired. He is peeking out from the cave, the anointed of God, the set apart, the king of Israel. And, and he just says out loud without even thinking, whew, I'd give anything for a cold drink of water from the brook. And three of David's armor bearers, they, di they didn't have to say anything. They didn't get together and vote on a decision. They just looked at each other and headed out the back door. And before long, <laughs> before long, David's three men come back. I don't know what they're carrying that water in. But they said, David... King, here's your water. Cool, drink of water. Man, David's so overwhelmed with the goodness of God and the fact these men just laid their life on the line. Because what I read this morning was they went in the middle of the enemy army camp. I don't know if they just got back to back and just backed in with their swords. Because the fear of those men, they weren't men that killed a man. They weren't men that killed 10 men with a sword. They were men that killed a thousand men with a sword. I don't know if they just backed into the creek bed and said, you boys want some? If not, leave us alone. We got a mission. And they took a drink of water and they went and they brought it to David. David so overwhelmed with the goodness of God. Overwhelmed with the goodness of God. He poured the water out as a drink offering. So I can't drink that. <laughs> Not at the cost of, of what it was to bring it to me. We have so much in 2022 to be thankful for. Verse 15 no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. Listen to this. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. All that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. The last six weeks I've been talking about Jesus' exhortation to you and I and to the church about who the Holy Spirit of God was and is. In one of the books I read, 
started talking about the Holy Spirit as our friend. And to be honest, at 65 years of age, I can never remember ever reading any other author, any other preacher talking about the Holy Spirit as a friend. I've heard every message imaginable about who the Holy Spirit is, the power of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, all these things. But all of a sudden, Robert Morris is talking about the friend of Holy Spirit. And I was like, Robert, I'm not certain I'm getting it. And I read the chapter, and I reread the chapter, and I read the chapter a third time. And he came down to this scripture where he said that Jesus is speaking, and he says, you're no longer servants. You're my friends. And a servant is different than a friend. And I'm like, okay, Robert, I'm still not getting it. And then he, he, he took a whole chapter and talked about the person and personality of the Holy Spirit. And he went back and he talked about the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So whatever Jesus said, the Holy Spirit says, and God says. Whatever God says, Jesus said, the only thing you hear me say are the things I've, I've been hearing my Father say in secret. And so whatever God's speaking, whatever Jesus is speaking, the Holy Spirit's speaking. And all of a sudden, over these last couple of weeks, I've started learning to bring some discipline into my life to talk to the Holy Spirit, not only as the person of who he is, but as a friend. And I, I don't know about y'all, but, but I like friends. How many of y'all like friends? Let me, let me see your hand. Some of y'all didn't raise your hands. You're not friendly. You ain't got no friends, so you don't even know what a friend is. <laughs> you don't have to stay that way. When Suzanne and Suzette were uh, little girls, twins, identical twins, they had each other. They didn't need nobody else. They were timid and shy. And I'll never forget these stories because Mama, Suzanne's mother, amazing woman of God, Lived with an unsaved husband who griped and complained and, and, and was mad all the time. And, and Mama would get up in New Orleans, dress the twins, walk many blocks to the bus stop, get on the bus, go across town to their little Assembly of God church, go to Sunday school, go to church, get out, walk back to the bus stop, get on the bus, go home, and have... Lunch on the table to never a happy husband. Always complain, always mad. But she never failed to show her girls how important the house of God was. Whew, I don't know, that was a message to somebody this morning. Ain't nobody in this church had to walk six blocks to a bus stop. Eight blocks to a bus stop. Let's get it right. Don't underestimate. Eight blocks. We get in our big, souped-up, air-conditioned vehicles and still can't make it to church on time. Oh, Jesus. Look, I love y'all. I'm just going to just, just be me and just be daddy to this house. All the young bucks can get up here and preach make y'all feel good. I'm going to daddy you a little bit. There ain't no, need to, there ain't no reason under God's grace to come to the house of God late. Just telling you. It says something about what's stirring inside of you and what's important. 
I'm just telling the truth. Why would you go on and go to church late? Miss worship. I don't like the music. Well, don't go to heaven then. You, you want to go to hell. There ain't going to be no music in hell. You don't like the music in the house of God? Well, I don't like y'all's music. Well, that's probably why God brought you here. <laughs> I'm having a good time. <laughs> Y'all clap or something while I blow my nose so you won't hear it. <laughs> Listen to this. Let me just get on. Y'all still love me. It don't, it don't matter. Jesus does. Verse 16. You did not choose me. Wow. I could hang out here for an hour. But Jesus says, and how many of y'all just want to raise both hands and say, thank you, Jesus? I chose you. You were lost on your way to hell. And Jesus chose you. You say, but pastor, pastor, I'm still messed up. Pastor, I still got stuff going on in my life. But he chose you anyhow. Because it's never been about you. It's, it's never been about, it's never been about, it's never been about you. It's his love. It's his redemptive grace. He died on the cross. You didn't die on the cross. You can't do anything to earn God's love except receive it by faith. By faith, you receive it. I chose you. Hang on now. And appointed you. See, he didn't didn't just choose you and save you. He chose you and saved you and appointed you. That your fruit should abide. That you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should linger. Hang around. Abide. Fully blossom. Doesn't matter. If I'm a father, just let me do a little more fathering here, okay? It's... (laughs) It's Father's Day. I woke up, you know, so listen. Some of you that have walked with the Lord a long time in this house, I have a word for you. It's time to stir up that first love that you once had. It's time to get off the back burner of feeling like, well, I used to be faithful. I used to serve. I used to be a connect group leader. I used to be excited about everything going on. Now, now I know I can't leave because this is where God has me and I don't want to be disobedient, but I'm just going to hang out here. And you're just hanging out like, like leftovers. And, and the Lord has not called you to be leftovers. There's a whole generation of young people that need those of you that used to have it. And somewhere, you got discouraged. You got tired. You got distracted. Suzanne's helping me preach up here. Any other words, baby, just throw them up here. You got distracted. And you allowed something to happen. And now, you're that one that I don't look at while I'm preaching. Because you got that sour look face. You got that, I forgot what it was like to have that new love. 
You know how long y'all would hang around here if I didn't hang out with Jesus? Not very long if you're smart. If all I brought was 35-year-old leftovers to church on Sunday. See, you know when I've been walking with the Lord or not. You know when I've been hanging out with God. You know when the Word's bubbling up inside of me. And everybody knows it about you the same way you know about pastor. Don't get under condemnation about this. This is a father word that'll set you free. Some of you guys got to stir it back up. Paul on his way to having his head removed from his shoulders said, Timothy, stir it up, buddy. Stir up that gift. Don't forget me, buddy. Don't forget what I did in your life. Don't forget what I poured into your life. Don't forget what your mama and grandmama poured into your life. Come on, son, Timothy. Get a hold of the truth and be strong and bear much fruit. Every older person in this house should never, ever say ever that I don't have anything to do. There's so many young people here. There's, there's really, I, just, I can just come and sit now. That's a lie from hell. You have not been reading your Bible because the Word of God says that the older are to impart to the younger. We've had five people connected to our house, four connected to the house, and Suzanne's Uncle Mickey passed away in the last five weeks. That weighs heavy on everybody. But it's also life. But with that same heaviness, because we're believers, we don't mourn like the unbeliever. And we know that we're just passing through this world anyhow. And one day we're going to go through that door of death. And when I do, when I do, I'm telling you the next service that y'all gather here, it ought to and better be a worship service or I might come back from the grave. Because <laughs> if y'all are all in here sucking lemons and sourpuss and oh my gosh, well, that doesn't honor me. That doesn't honor what the Lord's done in me and through me. Because you know what? Every time one goes, the, the Word of God, y'all know there's a scripture that says that it's a great celebration and honor when an older person goes to be with Jesus when the righteous die. Because you know what? At the same time, for those of you that weren't here Wednesday night, a couple of weeks ago I shared the story about us praying for a little baby, one week old. Medevaced here from Orlando. Born healthy. One day later, Develops a fever. Next day, fever goes into the brain, develops meningitis, starts affecting the heart. They medevac the, the baby here. It's Dr. Matt and, Ka- and Eric, Erica Cassio's little nephew. Brought to Gainesville to Shands. And the parents were told this baby's got to have a transplant or he's not going to live. Noah Cassio. Beautiful little baby boy. Can y'all find that picture? No, it's in somebody's. If you find that picture that I show Wednesday night, just sling it up there. Because a couple days ago, after we prayed, church families prayed, we're believing God. Well, how are you going to believe God and have faith when you just buried a couple people? Because burying righteous people is not a defeat or a failure. It is their glorious reward. They are in the presence of Jesus the Christ. When I walk through the door of death one day, man, don't feel sorry for me. I know where I'm going, and I know immediately I'm going to be in his presence. 
But a couple days ago, Erica sends me a text. Pastor, want to hear something good? How many of y'all like good news? Come on, somebody. Anybody knows me, you can always send me good news. And don't worry, I probably won't keep it to myself. <laughs> so, so don't. My kids, I'm going to rebuke every one of them in Jesus' name. What, what they're talking about up here. You don't want me to tell the world, don't tell me, man, because I love good news. Erica sends me a text and she said, Dad, she says, Pastor, she says, uh, man, Noah's heart has improved over 50%. And she said, now they're not talking transplant. And she goes, she, like, she tried to tease me a little bit with the text. She, dot, dot, dot. She says, you ready for this? She said, they're not talking transplant now. They're talking discharge. Come on, somebody. Look at that little baby. Five weeks old, little Noah. Cassio. Last Sunday, Erica was here with Noah's daddy. And there was another woman here, grandmother, whose uh, little granddaughter, one day younger than Noah, has already had one heart surgery, needs three. I've been praying for that child. I'm saying, God, show yourself mighty. Blow the PICU it stands up with people getting healed and delivered and lives being touched. Come on, somebody. Stir yourself to bleed for something bigger. And with them, almost a whole row over there, with them was a beautiful young man, 17 years old, who responded when I gave the altar call, asked Jesus in his heart. He's the next door neighbor of little Noah, and he's 17 years old and needs a heart transplant. Him and his mom sitting there, and I had an opportunity to pray over him. And I'm saying, God, if he needs a heart, give him a heart. But if you just want to renew that heart or restore that heart or give him a brand new heart without the doctors, you can do that as well. Amen? Why? Because we did not choose him. He chose us. That we should go and bear fruit and that our fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things, Jesus said, verse 17, I suggest to you. Y'all are... What they, they got words up there, huh? Oh, I couldn't get away with that one. I command you. Say this out loud. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit has commanded me. And with the command, there's the grace. So whatever he commanded me, he graced me. Oh, I think you ought to give the Lord a hand for that, man. That's powerful. He has not asked you to do anything that you cannot do. Chris, to come to the keyboard. I'm, I'm quitting. I'm closed. I'm not, I'm not through. I'm just quitting. Four words in these 17 verses. Go do a study on them this afternoon before you go to bed tonight. There's this little word, two letters. Big word, if, if. I'm not gonna preach it to you, but just go see how many times in those 17 verses 
Jesus said, if. He's talking to you and me. If you abide. Can I tell you something that as a son of God once solitary meaning individual by myself without spiritual roots or family. Before I knew what I didn't have God had already established and given me what I didn't know I needed. I can't repeat all that. I can't remember it. But it's powerful. Before I knew what I even needed, he had already provided. And can I tell you there, in my judgment, next to your salvation experience, receiving the Holy Spirit of God, being water baptized, there is nothing more powerful than the body of of Christ. Not the body worldwide. We're part, oh, we're part of the church of Jesus Christ worldwide. Absolutely. But you know what? I sleep with Suzanne Brantley. I don't sleep with your wife. And I don't sleep with you ugly guys. I sleep with one woman, my wife. I know where to go home to. I don't wonder about home. I don't question home. I don't look for a new home when she's not good to me. I know where home is. I know who my family is. And this morning I was sitting on my front porch when my wife drove out. She had written a beautiful, do all of y'all, do all of y'all families have what the Brantleys have, this Brantley thread where there's like 18 people on it and you just got to listen to everybody all the time <laughs> until you see one of them, normally Andrew or Nathan writes, left, what's it called? Left the, conversation. left the conversation. <laughs> Woo, kind of dangerous to me. You leave the conversation, we're going to talk about you. <laughs> we family. <laughs> Andrew wrote one day, the, the girls were all at it, man. They were just, go, they were just like a hundred texts. I, I was somewhere and I turned on my phone and it's like, my gosh, what's that, an emergency or something? No, it's just my kids. And, and Andrew goes, my gosh, I'm on a ladder 15 feet up in the air and my phone is just blowing off the, because we love you, son. We want, we want you to be a part. But can, can I tell you something in closing? There's nothing more important than family. Natural family, spiritual family. The enemy comes to still kill and destroy. Comes and tries to, that's why for all the older people that I gave a word to a while ago. And some of you maybe that aren't older, you just, you're, you're still kind of young, but, but you, 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 you've allowed things to separate you from the freshness of God's love. One of the most important things is family to help you reel you back in because we love you. Reel you back in because we love you. Bring a word of correction. And I don't need nobody in my family bringing me correction. <laughs> Probably do. Trusting the Holy Spirit. You see, because what would the enemy like to do in your life? He'd like to rob you from the house of God. 
What is the greatest single attack in the family in America today? Hear me, not drugs, not alcoholism, not abuse, not all the other wokeness garbage that's being spewed out there. Number one attack against American families is daddies being robbed from their homes. Deceived, lied to, and go looking for greener grass. Once your old ugly butt finds that greener grass, it's going to dry up and wither. We don't stay together because everything's perfect and right. We stay together because God joined and knitted us together. Knitted us together. And you know what glorifies God? Is when somebody in the body of Christ... Well, let me back up. You know what glorifies God in a family is when mom and dad are having a hard time and all the kids get serious about praying for mom and dad. And all of a sudden, God begins to do a work through the Holy Spirit, uses somebody. And all of a sudden, mom and dad, start, instead of talking about the divorce court, they're talking about marriage counseling. And they're talking about going and getting some prayer. And all of a sudden, they see, the kids see mom and dad going to the front during ministry time, getting prayed for, tears running down their face. And all of a sudden, there's a hope in those kids, we're going to be all right. And you know, one of the worst things is when the enemy comes and tries to rob you from the family of God that he's joined you to. Bring all kinds of stupid reasons. Because it's all about this one thing. Who did God join you to? Hear me, some of you young people, you kids, one day you're going to get to a point where you're going to go, well, I've been in this church my whole life. I was born here. I, I, I puked on pastor while he dedicated me and, and I got baptized here and I did all this stuff. But, but man, I want to go and find out what else is out there. That's dangerous. I can tell you what's out there because unless God uproots you for a reason, and there's confirmation, you're not hiding it from your parents and your pastors and your connect groups and everybody else. You're out there in a dangerous place. You can go to church, you can do all kinds of things. But what I'm talking about is where has God planted you, placed you, knitted you, and joined you? Because you will fight hell to make sure you're not robbed from that. Not when it's important. That's why I have seven seconds to close. Man, I was going to be good today and finish. That's why, pastor, even in this battle that I'm in, knows when you're not here. If you don't believe me, ask the pastors. And it's not about missing church, going on a vacation. It's about what's going on in your life. What happens when pastor sees a family go from the second row to the fifth row to the tenth row? And then in the midst of watching them slip to the back, and there's nothing wrong. Somebody's got to sit back there. All y'all in the back, wave at me, man. There's some faithful people back there. Love Jesus. But when you go from the front to the back, slowly a few rows at a time, and then pastor notices and he goes to the contribution report and he sees it's been like three months since you paid your last tithe. It tells a tale. What are you allowing the enemy to rob you from? See, this is why we need verse 25 and verse 26 of chapter, whatever chapter I'm on, 15. Verse 25, 
But when the helper comes, whom I will send from the Father, he's going to help you. (laughs) Say, the helper helps me when I need help. He's there to help. Would you stand up? I'm, I'm through. I'm done. I'm gonna, worship team's going to come. Jesus loves us so much that God the Father and God the Son had a discussion at creation and realized there would come a time when Jesus the Son would have to go to redeem the world because the world could not be redeemed by the law. And Jesus was willing to depart heaven in all of its glory. Come to the earth in the form of a baby, a child, an infant. Give his life. Preach the good news. Heal sick people, raise dead people and ultimately go to the cross. So that when he said to his disciples, come abide with me, he wasn't asking them to do something they weren't able to do. Because it's through the blood of Jesus Christ, he made us sons and daughters of the Most High. There are some in this place this morning, there are some watching online. Today, you have yet to receive the fullness of all the gifts of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus has made a way. There's no way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the door. I'm the only way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to know God, you got to come through me. And you can't get there without the Holy Spirit doing a work in your heart, bringing you to conviction to say, I need Jesus in my life. I'm going to, for the sake of those that might want to respond, I'm going to ask you to bow your head for just a moment. Close your eyes and believers, would you start praying right now? But if you're that person, doesn't matter if it's one or 10 in this place today, you have yet to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, to be your Savior. This morning, he's saying, come abide with me. Open up your heart's door and let me come into your life. If you're watching online this morning, every bit as important as if you were in this room, you can pray this prayer in just a moment with us. But if you're in this room this morning and you're ready to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, right where you stand, people are praying for you right now because we've all made this decision. But would you just raise your hand and let me see that hand and lead you in a very simple prayer before Jesus today in this place. You're ready to receive him in your life. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else you want to you respond? You want to say, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life today. And wait for just a second. It's a big decision. Biggest decision you'll ever make in your life has eternity at stake. Where will you spend in the presence of God Almighty? Yes, God bless you. Yes, anybody else? Let me, real quick before I pray this morning, I don't want to leave anybody out. These men that have responded today, wow, I love it when men respond to Jesus. 
I'm going to invite every one of you to pray this prayer with me as those that are watching online as well. Pray this prayer. Father God, I come in Jesus' name and I say thank you for making a way for me to know you through your son Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being willing to die for me. I confess you today with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you are indeed the Son of God, the Christ, the Redeemer, <coughs> the Savior. And I choose you today. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. I confess it and I denounce my sin. Today I'm choosing you, Jesus, because you already chose me. And I receive by faith my salvation in Jesus mighty name amen come on give the Lord a praise thank you for listening to our podcast for more information about our church visit therockonline.org